1: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrowcom ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrowcom ACAST. A sightseeing trip turns deadly when a college student is attacked
4: by a flesh-eating killer. The ulcer is 6 to seven centimeters in diameter. I'm pretty freaked out. A chance encounter with a house pet
1: leaves a young woman with a monster crawling under her skin.
5: The worm was the size of an actual gummy worm under my skin. I'm in shock.
1: And an exotic meal leaves a retired couple plagued by a vicious attacker.
6: It was really scary that I had this thing in me.
1: Three very different parasites, all with an insatiable appetite for human flesh. They are everywhere. They are ravenous. They are flesh eaters. Worms invisible to the human eye. Insects. Thirsty for blood microscopic amoeba. They might look harmless, but these are some of nature's deadliest creatures. They can hijack our bodies, disable our immune systems. They are parasites. But to those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Parasites are organisms that survive by living in or off other living creatures called hosts.
0: Most parasites are specialized to exploit a specific organ or system inside the host's body. Some feed inside the intestines, and others feed directly on organs like the brain or the
1: eyes. But
0: some of the most terrifying parasites get their nutrients from the body's largest organ,
1: the skin. And when these parasites attack, they can eat their hosts alive, as one college student is about to find out. February 2009,
4: Austin,
1: Texas. 21-year-old Aaron Motzinger is studying for his undergraduate degree.
4: I'm currently a student at the University of Texas at Austin. I'm studying public relations.
1: Aaron is a hardworking student. And in his free time, he has an active social life.
4: I like getting away from campus. I do like to go out with my buddies. Uh, We do that regularly. I can't lie
1: about that. But Aaron is about to take a crash course in parasitic infection. One afternoon in early February, Aaron is
4: relaxing at home after a busy week. I'm in the living room just casually kicking back and watching TV. And I look down and I kind of see this red bump right around my elbow area. It really just looked like a zit.
1: Like any young person, Aaron has had the occasional breakout before. But this seems different.
4: I'm Thinking to myself, that's a, that's a strange place to get a zit. But I decide not really to do anything. At that point, it, it doesn't seem very threatening.
1: Aaron quickly forgets about the strange spot until two weeks later.
4: I'm getting into bed one night and I see that the bump is getting bigger and bigger.
1: The bump has more than doubled in size
4: and has started to scab over. I didn't agitate it in any way that I knew. So I did think it was a little bit strange that the scab was forming. Still, I kind of just think that it's a zit that needs to pop at that point. I definitely feel like I should leave the bump alone.
1: But during a lecture the next morning, the strange bump becomes impossible to ignore.
4: I'm sitting in class, paying attention to whatever my professor was saying, and I look down at my arm. The small scab on top of the bump has broken open. There's a clearish, yellowish, liquid substance that starts trickling out of it and actually onto my desk. I'm admittedly pretty freaked out.
1: Aaron discreetly
4: tries to clean up the leaking wound. I kind of just tried to control it with a piece of paper that I think I just had sitting in my book bag. Unfortunately, regular notebook paper is not very absorbent kind of just smeared it around on my arm uh, rather than, than getting it off. Concerned that his classmates are starting to notice his odd behavior, Aaron gets up to leave. I immediately excuse myself from the class and make my way to the bathroom so that I can get some paper towels to at least wipe it off.
1: In the bathroom, Aaron takes a closer look at the fluid that is leaking from
4: his arm. It doesn't really look like blood. Uh, It doesn't even really look like normal pus. Then, Aaron notices something even more disturbing. It kind of has a rank odor. Sewer water. That's honestly what it smelled like. And that, I think, is the first moment that I'm really scared.
1: Aaron rushes home and dresses the leaking wound. The next day, he makes an appointment to see a doctor at the university's medical center.
4: When I go in to see the general medicine doctor, I take off the Band-Aid and let him get uh, as good of a look at it as he can. But the wound is not like anything the doctor has ever seen before. The general medicine physician wasn't very helpful at all. He basically told me, I really can't say anything conclusive and I'm going to have to send you to a specialist.
1: Aaron schedules an appointment with a dermatologist for the following week. But just two days later, when Aaron
4: pulls off his Band-Aid, he makes a frightening discovery. The central crusty scab portion expanded to a few centimeters in diameter.
1: The wound is now the size of a half dollar
4: and is still oozing liquid. The liquid kind of oozes out from under the band-aids, occasionally gets on furniture, or things that I'm sitting or standing around. You know, it's just kind of annoying and disgusting to have to deal with.
1: By the end of the week, the wound has grown to the size of a hockey puck.
4: It was pretty damn gross. The longer things went on without it showing signs of healing, the more concerned I get.
1: The following day, Aaron finally meets with dermatologist Dr. Jason Reichenberg.
2: When I first see Aaron's wound, it's a few inches across in either direction. He's telling me that this lesion is slowly growing and it's draining. Based on the presentation of a sore, the list of possibilities is, is pretty long. But one possibility does stand out as a likely culprit. I'm thinking that this is a staph infection.
1: A staph infection is caused when bacteria from the Staphylococcus family invade the body, often through a scratch on the skin. The bacteria release toxins that can destroy the body's skin cells, creating a massive, pus-filled wound. Staph infections grow rapidly and can cause devastating tissue damage. Staph infections are highly contagious and very common in high-traffic public areas with poor sanitation, like college campus locker rooms.
2: So the worst case scenario is that a staph infection can end up in the bloodstream, the patient ends up with a fever and in the hospital,
4: and that's how people can die from staph infections. I've had a friend or two that's had to deal with staph, and I'm really nervous about this. I'm really stressed out. To confirm the
1: diagnosis, Dr. Reichenberg must
4: take a sample of Aaron's skin. He decides that the best action is to perform a punch biopsy so we can get some more conclusive results. I take a small punch tool. It looks like a
2: cookie cutter in a circle shape. And I basically push it into the skin in a spinning motion.
4: Seeing a cookie cutter take part of your skin and and tissue out of your body makes me a little bit queasy.
1: Dr. Reichenberg sends the skin sample to the lab for testing, but it could take two weeks for the results to come back. In the meantime, Dr. Reichenberg prescribes an antibiotic lotion to treat the infection. But one week later, Aaron begins to suspect that the gaping wound on his arm might not be the result of a staph infection, but something
4: much more sinister. The lesion itself hasn't been affected by the antibiotic, The ulcer is reaching six to seven centimeters in diameter, which is pretty impossible to hide. Even with a large Band-Aid, I was freaking out pretty bad.
2: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness.
1: Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
3: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
1: College student Aaron Motzinger has developed a mysterious pus-filled lesion on his arm. His doctor thinks it is a staph infection and prescribes a course of antibiotics. But as the wound continues to grow, Aaron becomes concerned that he may be suffering from something far more sinister than a simple bacterial infection.
4: I put band aids on it daily to try to keep the leaking under control, but there are times when the liquid kind of oozes out from under the band aids, occasionally gets on furniture or things that I'm sitting or standing around
1: the oozing wound is starting to have an effect on Aaron's behavior.
4: with something that gross, it's not something that I bring out on a daily basis and show people. I lack the desire to be around a lot of my friends and just to be my usual fun social self.
1: But dermatologist Dr. Jason Reichenberg has news for Aaron. The results from the pathology lab are back.
2: As soon as I get the
4: results from my pathologist, I immediately called Aaron back. He's very calm, uh, very collected, and goes on to explain to me that the lesion is in fact not a staph infection, but something much more rare. It's a disease that very few people in the U.S. encounter called Leishmaniasis.
1: Leishmaniasis is a disease caused by a parasite called Leishmania. Leishmania is a single-celled protozoan parasite
0: that gains entry to its host through the skin.
1: When Leishmania parasites enter the skin, the body sends immune cells to attack them. But the parasites fight back by hijacking the immune cells, feeding off them, and then reproducing inside them. As the parasites multiply, the tissue around the infected area dies, turning into a gaping, leaking wound which can permanently disfigure the host. But leishmaniasis doesn't just affect the skin.
2: It can start as a sore, but actually can spread locally on the skin or actually spread to other parts of the body, such as the mouth, the throat, or the lungs. If it spreads to the face, the parasite can cause a
1: fatal disease called mucosal leishmaniasis, where the parasite literally eats the host's face off.
2: Patients with leishmaniasis but they can actually die from
4: being obstructed in their mouth or their throat and not being able to breathe. Didn't know anything about the parasite. My initial reaction is I'm obviously freaking out pretty bad.
1: But how did Aaron contract such a vicious parasite? The parasite's life cycle holds the answer. Leishmaniasis is transmitted by the bite of a tiny insect called a sandfly. The Leishmania parasites mature in the gut of an infected sandfly. When the sandfly bites a human, it regurgitates the parasites into the skin. There, the parasites feed on the host's white blood cells, reproducing and spreading to new areas of the skin. When an uninfected sandfly bites the infected human host, the cycle begins again.
0: Leishmaniasis is common in places like Asia, Latin America, and Southern Europe. But cases in the U.S. are extremely rare.
4: Uh, Dr. Reichenberg asks me if I had ever been outside the U.S. in the last year or so. told him that I had been to South America for about two and a half weeks and visited the country of Peru, but also its neighbor, Bolivia. This is the clue Dr. Reichenberg needs. Dr. Reichenberg tells me that I've contracted a parasite via a specific species of sandfly found in the countries that I visited in South America. With the diagnosis in hand,
1: Dr. Reichenberg must begin treatment immediately. If the parasite spreads to Aaron's
2: face, he could die. By the time I saw him, the ulcer had grown to about five
4: times the size it was when I had first seen him. I start to wonder how much the parasite itself is growing, how much it's multiplying, and if it's picking up any momentum. So I'm very worried that this could have been a much more serious condition than we had anticipated.
2: We were eager to get him started on treatment because we were trying to spare him from more scarring and trying to prevent the parasites from going anywhere else in his body. Patients can actually die from being obstructed in their mouth or their throat and not being able to breathe.
1: Aaron is placed on an IV drip that floods his body with powerful antibiotics.
4: Dr. Reichenberg told me that the parasite wasn't going to go down without a pretty harsh battle.
1: But after just one week,
4: Aaron starts to notice an improvement. The spread outwards is slowing down drastically, and also new skin is starting to reform around those edges and actually close in a lot of the raw area. Within a month, the ulcer is almost completely flat. I was obviously ecstatic when the day came that it did completely close up and heal over.
1: Today, Aaron is parasite-free, but he's left with a permanent reminder of his gruesome ordeal.
4: I currently have a massive scar uh, on my arm. I'm not embarrassed about it. When I tell people the actual story behind the scar, they hardly ever believe me, and I think it probably ends up being a better story than I ever could have fabricated.
1: To prevent infection, travelers to Asia, South America, and Southern Europe should avoid being bitten by sandflies by using a deep based insect repellent. Some microscopic
0: parasites, like Leishmania, need a vector like the sandfly in order to break through the skin. But other parasites can break through the skin themselves.
1: And as soon as they are inside their host, they feed voraciously on human flesh as one animal lover is about to find out. October 1994, Houston, Texas. Missy and Rich Allen are newlywed graduate students.
5: I am finishing my master's degree in art history. My husband's in medical school working roughly 100 hours a week.
0: Everyday life at this time is very, very hectic, and we are not able to do all that much other than eat and sleep and enjoy each other's company.
1: Despite her busy schedule, Missy finds time to work at a local animal shelter.
5: Volunteering at the shelter is a break from writing my thesis. I get to spend time with dogs, and I could fulfill a need to be around them.
1: But Missy is about to enter the terrifying world of parasitic infection. One night at the shelter, Missy is asked to assist with a litter of kittens.
5: This is an unusual request for me because I have a severe allergy to cats. The veterinarians are aware of this. However, they really need help.
1: It's a decision that Missy will soon regret.
5: I go into the feline area, I pick a very small but obviously very sick black kitten that had recently been rescued. I pick him up, I'm pulling him to my chest, he sticks out a claw and he stabs me right in my chest.
1: The cat's claw punctures the skin on Missy's breast leaving a small wound.
5: I look down, I see it, but it isn't bleeding much, so (laughs) I don't worry about it too much. I gently pull him back, and then I put him back in his cage.
1: Missy dabs the small puncture wound with a paper towel and forgets about it. But later that night, Missy is relaxing in front of the TV when the wound starts to itch.
5: I'm scratching the spot where the kitten stabbed me, but I assume it's related to my cat allergy, so I didn't really worry about it very much.
1: But two days later, when Missy takes a look at the puncture wound on her breast, she makes a startling discovery.
5: It's gone from a small, localized pinprick to a red, angry sight that's about the size of a quarter.
1: And the itch has gotten even worse.
5: The itching is similar to about a dozen mosquito bites. I find that it's just too itchy to leave alone. I've never had an allergic reaction last more than one day. I'm more concerned now. I'm hoping it will just go away.
1: Over the weekend, Missy tries her best to ignore the relentless itch. But on Monday morning, she makes an alarming discovery.
5: As I get out of the shower, I can see my reflection in the mirror, and there is very definitely a serpentine shape under my skin.
1: Missy can't believe what she's seeing.
5: I'm concerned that there may be something growing under my skin.
1: Missy calls Rich into the bathroom to take a look at the bizarre shape. And at first I thought, there's no way. And
0: then actually, when I felt over the area, it almost felt as if there was something under it.
1: Even after three years of medical school, Rich is baffled.
0: It's definitely not a bacterial infection, it's definitely not an allergy, it's definitely not a virus. And it's definitely something that I'd never seen before.
5: When I realized how concerned Rich is, I am now very concerned myself.
0: I think she needs to seek medical attention other than myself. And at this point I think, well, it's a skin problem,
1: let's start off with a dermatologist. Missy immediately calls a dermatologist to make an appointment.
5: The dermatologist was very busy. This was not considered an emergency situation. Therefore, I was put off for a week.
1: Dismayed, Missy tries to get through the school week without thinking about the mysterious growth on her breast. But by the middle of the week, she's unable to think about anything
5: else. I am doing research. I'm writing, but I'm very distracted. It became very obvious that it was growing day by day, and it became pretty much impossible to ignore.
1: (laughs) Then, the night before her appointment with the dermatologist, Missy is getting ready for bed when she presses her finger to the shape on her breast.
5: It wiggled slightly. For the first time, I realized I could make it move.
1: The strain shape is now moving on its own.
5: I'm in shock. I recognize at this point that I definitely do have a foreign body that is very much alive living under my skin. I have a pretty serious problem.
1: Missy and her husband Rich make an appointment to see a dermatologist. When the doctor examines the growth on Missy's chest, he comes to a shocking conclusion.
5: He definitely sees a worm growing underneath the side of where the puncture wound occurred.
1: Based on the size and shape of the worm and the fact that it is still moving, the doctor knows it can only be one thing a hookworm. Hookworms are
0: blood-sucking intestinal parasites that have jagged teeth they use to hook onto the flesh.
1: There are many types of hookworms, each specialized for a different host. But if Missy has contracted a human hookworm, she could be in danger. When a human hookworm infects the skin, the worm excretes an enzyme that breaks apart skin cells, allowing it to burrow freely through thick layers of skin. From there, the worm enters the bloodstream and travels through the body to the intestine, where it hooks into intestinal tissue and gorges itself on blood. What if a hookworm reaches the vital organs, such as the heart or the lungs? It can cause severe anemia, malnutrition, and even heart failure. Missy is terrified that the worm might have traveled to her vital organs.
5: As it was getting close to my heart and my lungs, I was concerned primarily about getting rid of it.
1: The doctor asks Missy how the scratch on her breast began. Based on Missy's experience at the animal shelter, the dermatologist believes that the worm living under Missy's skin is not a human hookworm. She is infected with a cat hookworm.
0: Some species of hookworms specialize on human hosts. Others feed on mammals like dogs or
1: cats. But it's not unknown for a cat hookworm to infect a human host. When a mammal such as a cat steps on soil contaminated with hookworm larvae, the parasites burrow into the cat through its feet. From there, they migrate through the cat's body, latching onto the small intestine, where they feed on blood. The parasite's eggs are passed in the cat's feces and deposited into the soil, where they hatch into larvae. When an uninfected cat walks on contaminated soil, the life cycle continues. Doctors think that the cats in the animal shelter were Missy volunteered, were infected with the parasite.
5: In my particular situation, the kittens were living in an animal shelter in a cage and most likely stepped in their own feces. When I received the puncture wound, it put the worm directly into my skin
1: the dermatologist prescribes an antiparasitic skin lotion for Missy to apply over the infected area. At home later that evening, Missy diligently rubs the lotion onto her chest.
5: In the first couple of days of using the topical medication, I was not sure that it was effective because I was still able to make the worm move. It was obviously still alive.
1: But after four days of treatment, Missy begins to notice a change.
5: I could no longer make the worm move by pressing on it. I assumed the worm had died and that the treatment was working. It probably took about a month for there to be absolutely no trace whatsoever of the parasite.
1: Fortunately for Missy, a cat hookworm worm cannot make it past human skin so it could not have damaged her internal organs. Today, Missy has made a complete recovery from the hookworm infection, but the experience has changed her view of pet care.
5: I was wary of cats to begin with, and now I avoid them completely.
1: There are up to 30,000 cases of hookworm infection in the U.S. each year, and even the cleanest domestic animals can carry the parasite. The best way to avoid contracting hookworm is to avoid walking barefoot on contaminated soil and ensure domestic pets are dewormed regularly by a veterinarian.
0: Hookworm infection is one of the most widespread parasitic diseases in the world. It affects an estimated 1.5 billion people worldwide.
1: Not all parasites are as contagious as hookworms, but some are just as nasty as one cattle farmer is about to discover. July, 1991. Angela Weiskopf owns a beautiful 630 acre farm in North Carolina.
6: It was lovely, it was rolling fields and lots of wonderful old trees. We had beef cattle and we had anywhere from 30 to 40 head. It was a working farm, so we had a lot to do there.
1: Angela and her husband Rudy spend their summers at the farm and winters at an apartment in Bethesda, Maryland.
6: We traveled as much as we could. We were very busy.
1: But their idyllic country life is about to be interrupted by a devious monster. One morning, Angela's finishing up some chores in the kitchen when she notices something strange.
6: I just felt this itch and looked down at my arm and and there was this red blotch. It was a red rash. It itched very much like a mosquito bite.
1: She doesn't think much of it and puts the rash out of her mind.
6: I just didn't think that it was anything that serious.
1: But the following afternoon, her husband returns home from the fields with the exact same problem.
6: It was really curious because he had the same red rash and the itchiness.
1: To Angela, the source of the rash seems obvious.
6: Since we were in the fields and in the hay fields, I was sure that it was something we picked up on the farm. I probably some back dean on it, and I really kind of ignored it.
1: Two days later, the rash has disappeared.
6: I assumed that, you know, it was a bite, and it went away, and so we just went on our business. We left the farm and came back to Bethesda after about a month, and since we had no further symptoms, we just forgot about it.
1: The following spring, Angela and Rudy
6: have returned to the farm. I'm sitting in the living room reading, and again I felt this itch, and when I looked down, there was the rash again. I realized it was the same as the first time. Again, elongated, red, and itchy.
1: Just like before, Angela's not the only one to get the rash.
6: My husband had a second occurrence with his rash and itchiness. I am getting suspicious. It was just too consistent, and they looked the same and that we were both getting it, which seemed inconceivable.
1: But there's a striking difference.
6: It was closer to my chest this time.
1: Not only has the rash migrated to a new area of Angela's body, it covers most of her shoulder. Angela wants to see a doctor, but Rudy feels differently.
6: He is very optimistic and tried to calm me down, actually. I think he was more sure than I was that it was something we picked up on the farm. And so uh, we did not uh, see the doctor or seek help.
1: It's a decision that they will both come to regret. Angela takes her husband's advice and tries to ignore the persistent
6: itch. It disappeared again in about two days. I thought that it was spikes or things from the farm, since it seemed to come up. to the surface at that time.
1: The Weiskopf's return to their normal routine and once again put the rash out of their minds. Until one night in April, almost exactly one year later.
6: I am in Bethesda in my apartment and suddenly I get the itch again and it's the rash.
1: And again, the strange rash has moved to yet another part of Angela's body.
6: I felt the itchiness and rash come into my neck area.
1: This time, Angela can't blame the rash on something they picked up on the farm.
6: We were still at our home in Bethesda when this happened in an apartment and really were not out in the open or fields or wild. It became clear to me that this was not a bite coming from the outside. This was something that perhaps we had in us.
1: Angela Weiskopf and her husband, Rudy, have been suffering from a mysterious, itchy rash that appears and disappears without warning. They had assumed that the rashes were caused by bug bites. But after a third reoccurrence, Angela's terrified that the rash is being caused by something living inside her body.
6: I go to my husband after this repeated occurrence and he finally agreed with me that perhaps we had better consult a doctor.
1: Angela and Rudy make an appointment to see Dr. Martin Wolf.
7: And I got the full history from her. I was told that uh, she had some problems with her skin and her husband also had a similar story.
1: Dr. Wolf takes a skin sample from Angela's neck and sends it to a lab for testing. Three weeks later, the lab results come
7: back. I got the report back it was for her and her husband, and it was positive.
6: And Dr. Wolf calls with the results and tells me that, yes, he had a positive diagnosis of nathostomiasis.
1: Nathostomiasis is a skin disease caused by a parasitic roundworm called nathostoma. In a human host, the nathostoma parasite burrows through the skin and internal organs, feeding on tissues and causing massive inflammation. If the worm reaches the central nervous system, it can cause paralysis and even death.
0: Nathostoma are built to bore through their hosts' bodies. Their heads are covered with four rows of tiny hooklets that literally tear the flesh as they go and they can tear through nearly any body tissue, wreaking havoc.
6: Dr. Wolf got one of his books down and, and showed us a picture of this particular parasite. It looked terrible. You get to thinking about um, it living in you for, for three years and moving around, which was, was disturbing in itself, and obviously having to feed on something.
0: Humans are not the definitive host for nathostoma, and that means that the larvae can't mature into adult worms inside the human body.
1: This explains why Angela's rash kept reappearing in different places. Since the larva can never grow to maturity, it keeps tunneling through the human body on an endless search for food. Dr. Wolf tells Angela how the parasite has been feeding on her flesh for the past three years.
7: The nodules occur as the larvae comes towards the surface of the skin.
6: He explained that this parasite would come to the surface periodically, but then it would go deep into my skin, and that it, it did move around, starting in the arm and then ending up on my chest.
7: Third stage larvae, which does not develop into an adult in humans, has been known to live for 10 years or more.
1: But how did Angela and her husband become infected with this rare but deadly parasite? The answer lies in Nathostoma's life cycle. Nathostoma larvae hatch from eggs in fresh water. Then the larvae are eaten by a crustacean, which is eaten by a fish, which is eaten by a mammal such as a dog. In the mammal's gut, the larvae mature and pass eggs with the host's feces. When the eggs enter fresh water, the life cycle continues. The majority of nathostoma infections in humans comes from a single source. Undercooked fish.
7: Man can ingest undercooked fish, which are infected with the third stage larvae. That's how a man gets infected.
6: I went back to think where we had undercooked fish. And the only place was on our trip to Africa. One afternoon, my husband went fishing and caught some catfish. We thought we'd have them for dinner, but the cook had planned something else. and So he made it into sushi. It didn't occur to me not to eat it, which was foolish. So we had the catfish as sushi for our first course of dinner that evening.
7: So this was another piece of the puzzle that fit together.
1: With the diagnosis in place, Angela turns her attention to ridding herself of the parasite.
6: Once I realized what it was, um, I was concerned and um, absolutely wanted to get rid of it and thought that, you know, the quicker the better, actually.
7: The treatment was a drug called albendazole, which is an anti-worm medication,
1: but the treatment has a disturbing side effect.
7: As some of these worms are dying, they migrate uh, to the skin, possibly trying to escape out of the body.
1: If the dying worm does come to the surface of the skin, Dr. Wolf will have to remove it himself. The Weiskaufs return home, knowing that at any moment, a parasitic worm might burrow its way out of Angela's skin.
6: It was really scary. Well, the first night was horrible, just horrific, but you can get used to anything.
1: <laughs> then three weeks later, Angela notices a familiar sensation.
6: I felt the itchiness and, and the rash come into my neck area. And so I immediately called Dr. Wolf.
7: This sounded very much like what had been described in a larva coming to the surface. So I gathered some gloves and a needle and some material.
1: Medical tools in hand, Dr. Wolf races to Angela's apartment.
6: Once Dr. Wolf saw where it was, he swabbed it with some alcohol.
1: Dr. Wolf uses a pair of tweezers to pluck the tiny invader from the skin on Angela's neck.
6: And came out holding this um, very, very small thing and it looked just like an eyelash. It was that that small.
7: I saw a tiny string-like object which was not moving, which may have indeed been dying at the time because of the drug treatment that she was under, and I put it into a vial of alcohol for preservation.
1: Angela is finally face-to-face with her parasite.
6: It was amazing that it moved around as much as it did, uh, being as small as it was.
1: With the worm safely extracted, Dr. Wolf is confident that Angela is parasite-free.
7: It's uncommon for people to have more than one larva, so we didn't expect that Angela would have any other problems.
6: But after three years, was very happy that it was finally out of me.
1: But what about Angela's husband, Rudy?
7: We believe in her husband's case, the worm, it's probably died and was destroyed uh, inside the body.
1: There are less than 20 cases of nathostomiasis reported in the United States every year. But the parasite is much more common in Central and Southern Asia. When visiting these areas, travelers should avoid eating fish that has not been cooked to an internal temperature of 145 degrees. The skin
0: is one of the most vulnerable organs in the human body. It's exposed to the elements, so every day it comes into contact with millions of microbes. But parasites are unique among these pathogens. They've developed strategies to get past even our best defenses. The challenge is catching them before it's too late.
1: For more disgusting parasites and tips on how to avoid them, visit our website, animalplanet.com inside me